Welcome to God's Story, the narrative adaptation of the Bible. This week's chapter covers 2 Samuel chapters 13 through 18. Chapter 14, The Betrayals of David. Near the end of David's life, his eldest son, Amnon, committed a terrible abuse against his half-sister, Tamar. When David learned of this, he was furious, but because it was his eldest son, he did not put him to death, though the law of Moses commanded it. After two years, Tamar's brother Absalom decided that he would become the instrument of justice against his now-hated half-brother. He asked David to have Amnon join him in a field where his sheep were being watched. He gave his brother too much to drink, and then had his men kill him. Absalom then quickly fled the country, fearing what his father would do when he found out. In spite of this, David still loved Absalom. But that kinslaying prevented him from reaching out to his son. Joab could see David's anguish, so he devised a plan. He sent an old woman to meet with the king and told her exactly what to say. When she arrived, she bowed before the king and said, Please help me, your majesty. What is troubling you? David replied. I am a widow, but I have two sons. They got into a fight with each other, and no one was around to stop them, so one killed the other. Now my relatives want me to hand over the one who lived so that they can kill him for his crime. They would kill my last son and end the line of my husband. Go home. I will issue an order. If anyone says anything to you, bring them to me, and they will not bother you again. In the name of Yahweh, no one will harm your remaining son. Let me ask you one other thing, the woman continued. Why would you allow a criminal to remain unpunished for years, but not reach out to your own son so that he might return home? Like water that spills on the ground and cannot be recovered, so we all must die. But Yahweh wishes for us to be reunited with each other. David was impressed by the woman's boldness, but knew her words were not her own, and said, Joab was behind this story of yours, wasn't he? Very well, I will do it. Let Absalom return. Now Joab, who had been present during this conversation, bowed down and said, Today I know that you are pleased with me, because you have granted my request. Then Joab went to Absalom and brought him back to Jerusalem, but David still could not bring himself to see his son. David did not suffer Absalom's presence for two years. When it was too much for him to bear, Absalom said to Joab, Why did my father even bring me back to Jerusalem? I want to see him. And if he thinks me guilty of a crime, then he can put me to death himself. Joab delivered this message to the king, and so Absalom was sent for. He bowed low before his father, and though his father did give him the kiss of forgiveness, the rift between them grew wider. In the years that followed, Absalom would meet with anyone who entered Jerusalem with a complaint and tell them that no one in the city could help them, but that if he was made king, that things would be different. This scheming slowly allowed him to steal the hearts of the people. And those who were willing to follow him increased, including one of David's most trusted advisors, Ahithophel. When he felt he had gained enough support, he began his coup. When David learned what was happening, he said, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape Absalom, and he will destroy the city. 
His supporters replied, we are ready to do whatever you decide. So David fled with his family and a large group of followers. The Levites, along with Abiathar the high priest and Zadok, followed David out of the city, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. But the king said, take the Ark back with my blessing. If Yahweh is still pleased with me, I will see it again. If not, I'm ready for whatever may come. So Abiathar and Zadok returned to Jerusalem to try to support David as much as they could from within the capital's walls. David then traveled to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he walked barefoot with his head covered in sadness. Here he said to one of his men, Hushai, if you return to Jerusalem and pledge your service to Absalom, you might be able to frustrate the efforts of Ahithophel. Anything useful that you learn, you can communicate to me by messenger. So Hushai also returned to Jerusalem, just as Absalom was triumphantly entering the city to claim his throne. That night, David's heart once more moved his hands to write a psalm. Yahweh, many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say there is no help for him in God. But you are my shield, my glory, the lifter of my head. I cried to you with my voice, and you heard me from your holy hill. I laid down to sleep, and I awake again, for you sustain me. I will not be afraid, even if ten thousand surround me. Arise, Yahweh, save me, my God, for you have struck my enemies in the face, and you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. The next morning, as David continued to look for some place to refuge, he came upon Ziba, the caretaker of Mephibosheth's estate, who was waiting to meet him. He had brought supplies for David, donkeys, food, drink. David asked, but where is Mephibosheth? Ziba replied, he is still in Jerusalem. He thinks the kingdom of Saul will be restored to him by Absalom. Shocked that this man who he had treated like one of his own sons would betray him like this, David coldly uttered, Everything that belonged to Mephibosheth now belongs to you. I humbly bow before my king. May I always find favor in your eyes, Ziba said. Shortly after this, David came upon a house in the countryside owned by a man named Shimei, a relative of Saul's. He came out of his house, yelling curses at David, throwing rocks at him and his men. He said, get out of here, you murderer. God is repaying you for everyone that died when you usurped Saul's throne. One of David's men said, why should this dog be allowed to curse the king? Let me go and cut his head off. But David replied dejectedly, what does his cursing have to do with you? If he is cursing because God told him to, who can ask why? My own son is trying to kill me. How much more the family of Saul? Let him alone. Let him curse. Perhaps God will have mercy on me and restore a blessing and not this curse. That night, still reeling, not only from Absalom's rebellion, but also the betrayal of Mephibosheth and the curses of Shammai, David wrote, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for you, the living God. When shall I come and appear before you? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is God? I will say to you, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning while my enemy oppresses me? Like a sword that breaks my bones, my enemies reproach me. 
When I remember these things, I pour out my soul. I had walked among the crowds. I went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise, we celebrated together. My soul, why are you downcast? Place your hope in God, whom I will yet praise. Yahweh will show me kindness in the daytime, and in the night Yahweh's song shall still be with me. Back at the palace, Ahithophel said to Absalom, You should quickly send a battalion of troops to kill David. Attack him now while he's weak. Fill him with terror, and his men will abandon him. Then kill only him, and the people will think you are merciful, and they will continue to support you. This seemed like a good plan to Absalom, but he also asked to hear advice from Hushai, who said, This time Ahithophel is not giving you good advice. Your father and his men are fighters, fierce as wild bears whose cubs have been stolen. He's already hiding in a cave, lying in wait for you. If he attacked you first, even your bravest men would be terrified. No, instead... Gather all of the fighting men of Israel. Attack him with such an overwhelming force that you yourself are the leader of. Even if he tries to escape into a city, we'll have so many men that we could literally drag its walls down. Then Absalom said, I think the advice of Hushai is better than Ahithophel's. Because Yahweh had chosen Hushai to subvert the advice of Ahithophel and frustrate the plots of Absalom. Hushai relayed this information by messenger to David's camp so that he could prepare. David divided his forces into groups, one commanded by Joab, another by Joab's brother Abishai. David also planned to go out with his men, but they said, No, you need to stay behind. If we retreat, they won't care. But if you're with us, they would pursue us and kill us by the thousands just to get to you. So David stayed back in camp as his army marched towards an impending battle. As the commanders left, David called out to them, Be merciful to Absalom for my sake. The battle took place in the forests of Ephraim, and Absalom's forces were badly defeated by David's army. 20,000 soldiers died that day. As Absalom was retreating on his mule, pursued by David's men, his hair got caught in a low-hanging tree branch, and as his mule kept going, he was left hanging. The men pursuing Absalom relayed this information to Joab, who said, What? You saw him? Why didn't you kill him then and there? I would have richly rewarded you. Even if you gave us a fortune, we would not touch the king's son. We heard David say to have mercy on his son for his sake. I'm not going to debate this with you. And with that, Joab took his spears and killed Absalom where he hung. He took the body and threw it in a pit and covered it with a pile of rocks. Then Joab blew his horn and David's men ended their fighting. Two men ran to tell David that his soldiers had been victorious in battle. David saw the two runners approaching from a distance. When he first arrived, he bowed to David and said, Praise be to Yahweh, who has helped us defeat the enemies of the king. Is my son Absalom safe? There was a lot of confusion when I left. I, I don't really know what happened. Stand aside then. And he waited for the second messenger to arrive. He bowed to David and said, My king, good news. Yahweh has helped us defeat your enemies. Is my son Absalom safe? May all of your enemies end up like he did. The king left them and went to his tent where he wept, saying, My son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. 
I should have been the one to die, not you, Absalom, my son, my son. So the prophecy of Nathan against David's family was fulfilled. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Matt. If you want to give me any feedback, you can email mattsgodsstory at gmail.com. That's M-A-T-T-S-G-O-D-S-S-T-O-R-Y at gmail.com. If you would like a transcript of this chapter or any of the previous chapters, you can go to mattsgodsstory.blogspot.com. Thank you so much for listening. God bless and stay safe.